Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. WSBT Radio Studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the program. Great to have you on board on this Friday, October the 6th of 2023. I am Darren Pritchett. I'm broadcasting on 960 AM WSBT, live streams at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. Sportsbeat on the air until 7 o'clock tonight. If you're interested in some high school football this evening, you can catch the Mishawaka Caveman homecoming matchup with Concord tonight at 7 o'clock on our sister station, 96-1, the ton, Brian Miller and Scott Bovenkirk will have the play-by-play from good old Steel Stadium. We are focused on Notre Dame football and the matchup tomorrow down in the state of Kentucky. Number 10, Notre Dame visiting number 25, Louisville, a 5-0 football team, 7.30 kickoff tomorrow night. Our pregame coverage will start at 1 o'clock. Game Day Sports Beat presented by Bud Light will be on the air from 4 until 6.30. So we look forward to talking to you tomorrow about this matchup between the Irish and the Birds. Coming up on our program, how the game plays out. That will be our opening segment tonight. We'll take a look at Notre Dame opponents in 2024 and what they face this weekend. We have our Twitter question of the day, which is always... On a Friday before an Irish game, what is the correct parlay for a Notre Dame-Louisville matchup? We'll give you the options in just a little bit. Or right now, you can go to my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT and vote. In the 6 o'clock hour, Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. We have a little live YouTube show talking Notre Dame football every Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern time. Just search for the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Or if you go to YouTube, just search Hey Horka. And all the shows will pop up, including the most recent. We'll play back a portion of our conversation this week. We were asked, what is specifically wrong with the Irish offense? We kicked around some ideas during our show on Monday. Notre Dame hockey opens their regular season against the Golden Knights of Clarkson at the Compton Family Ice Arena tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Tough opener when you've got Notre Dame football kicking off at 7.30, Irish hockey at 6 o'clock. As always, you can hear Fighting Irish Hockey on 94.3 FM. I'll have the play-by-play at 6 o'clock. Pre-game will get started right around 5.45 again on 94.3 FM. You can also find us throughout the Notre Dame radio network. So we'll have plenty of hockey conversation for you tomorrow. The Irish play at 6 o'clock 
tomorrow, and then they wrap up the series against Clarkson Sunday at 5 o'clock. All games on 94.3 FM. So I'll offer you a quick little preview of Notre Dame hockey's brand new season with a lot of new faces and hopefully a couple of very impactful forwards to give this offense a boost and maybe an addition along the blue line that could help the Irish get out of their own zone better, which was a major problem last year. So we'll talk some hockey in the 6 o'clock hour. And it's Friday, so Sizzler turns into a 10-pack of picks. This week we've got two Notre Dame football selections, three other college football picks, and five NFL selections. We've done very well in our 10-pack of picks so far. All four weeks we've done 10 picks. We've ended up over 500, made a little money, made a little money, excuse me. So that's what the goal is and we'll try to do it again this week. So we'll have those picks on the way at the end of the program here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. But as we start the program, how will this Notre Dame Louisville game play out tomorrow down in Louisville in front of around 60, 65,000 fans? Well, I'll give it my best shot to try to lay it out how I think the game will play out. Why don't we start with the Fighting Irish offense? The running game was held in check by the Blue Devils last week. And I personally think a lot of that had to do with the injuries at the wide receiver position and the inconsistencies at wide receiver led Duke, I don't think, to fully respect those guys. So they added a safety down to slow down that running game, and they did a really good job. At the end of the day, you know, the numbers look pretty good. But if you take out Jeremiah Love's fake punt run and Sam Hartman's miracle scramble on 4th and 16, take away those two rushes, Notre Dame was 30 carries for 108 yards. Credit to Duke, first and foremost, their defensive front was really, really good, and they took advantage of the fact they did not fear deep passes being thrown to the Irish wide receivers, and they did a great job of building a brick wall for Audric Estime to run into between the tackles. So, you look at Notre Dame overall this year, 33rd in the country in rushing offense, They are averaging 192.2 yards per game. 5.49 yards per carry, outstanding. And the Irish already with 12 rushing touchdowns this season. Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman this week offered his thoughts on the running game. That was stymied by the Blue Devils last Saturday night in Durham, a game that the Irish pulled out 21-14. I think it's one is our footwork, right? We have to improve our footwork. You know, there's a couple of times that, you know, a misstep will cause us to the defensive line to get penetration. And, you know, when you get penetration um, on the defensive line, it, it's tough to, to execute the run game. We got to be better with some of our angles and, in, in, you know, blocking the perimeter, right? And we, they, they brought an extra safety in the box and we got to find a way to get him dug out. Well, it's all about fundamentals and angles. And so, that's what I'm saying. Like you can easily say, ah, RPO him, or hey, next time we'll get him, or okay, why didn't we get this done? That's what we did as a coaching staff yesterday. It wasn't just we have to get this done. We know that. Why didn't we? And if we can continue to address those issues that way, then we can find a way to fix it. Right? We have to find a way to fix it. But to in order to fix it, you have to understand why it happened. Louisville has not played the greatest competition so far this year. They faced Georgia Tech. I mean, they took on Indiana. There's just nothing close to what Notre Dame's running game can show them. So you look at Louisville's numbers. I think these are a set of numbers you take with a grain of salt. They are 33rd in the country in rush defense. Louisville allows just 109 yards per game, 3.45 yards per carry, and five rushing touchdowns. I do believe the Irish offense will have a good amount of success in this ball game against Louisville and try to 
turn things around from what we saw last week when the play caller, Jared Parker, just couldn't get a whole lot done with the rushing attack. Yeah, I think with anything, they were downhill on us and fit us well. Um, you know, that involves their scheme, which they did a great job, and we knew they would. They're a great operation, too. I mean, they've got good personnel, and they're really good. And then to go along with us, like, there's there's some stuff that we got to execute better, too, right? And and that goes with me, too. Like, we got, I've got to be better in the game, in-game adjustments to help us get through, to find ways to maybe get the ball off the spot a little bit more, to give us some air. Um, and then... Uh, no excuses at all, but to be fair to it, right, when you're inefficient and you have the amount of penalties we had and you get – I mean, why were we – again, why were we bad on third down? Because we were on third and long eight times or more. That's – we're not going to be good on third down. Um, and so those are the things that we've got to make sure and be better at. But I think that leads to that. It was a mixture of about three or four real things, like how they fit us, how they put us down, and us not maybe missing on a couple throws that didn't give some air to it that we normally have hit or not caught, and all those things lead to kind of feeling like that by the end of the third quarter, if that makes sense. And Parker, throughout that ball game against the Dukie, stuck with his horse, Audric Estime. Well, here's honest. Um, I think the schemes we had to use for how they were attacking us was was pivotal in in that good and bad, meaning we had to be downhill to stay efficient, try to get the ball back through the line of scrimmage because of how they were attacking us edgewise and through us. So it limited a little bit of what we do. Um, we can't let that happen, right, and more, anymore or as much. But it limited us, but it's also kept us pretty efficient, minus our long yard situations because of drop balls right. and right. penalties. Right. So in that realm, that kind of applies to odd maybe more and some other plans where you get the ball out on the perimeter more of those things. So I think it was a little bit of both. You know what I mean? Okay, so I think this is going to be a ball game in which Coach Parker can use all of his running back assets. We have discussed throughout the year how this coaching staff's done a really good job of taking the strengths of the five running backs and using those strengths to enhance the Fighting Irish offense. I think the only time most of us got excited about that particular thought was the final drive against Ohio State when I think most of us wanted Audric to stay in the game and ground out those tough yards trying to close out the game offensively. Otherwise, they've used these five guys very well. You talk about running the football. I think Estime, obviously, is your number one back. It seems to be trending more toward freshman Jeremiah Love being the number two running back, followed by Jadarian Price. If you're in short yardage, Jabron Payne has been a popular choice, including lining up in the Wildcat against Ohio State and scoring a five-yard touchdown. Pass protection, Payne and Devin Ford are a couple of their top options. If they go to that two-running back look, we see a lot of love and price, for example. So there's a lot of different combinations, and I don't believe Louisville can limit those opportunities like Duke did. Plus, let's also keep in mind that Notre Dame is going to have two very important pieces to the passing game back, Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse return after missing last week's game with hamstring injuries. I think Estime gets 15 carries for 72 yards and a touchdown. I've got Love, 8 for 43 and a touchdown. I think the Irish are going to go for around 160, 170 yards in this ballgame against Louisville and hopefully they fly right back right past that and if they do it's going to be a really good night for the Fighting Irish offense the Irish wide receivers last Saturday as we just talked about no Thomas no great house so basically you are down to Tobias Merriweather Rico Flores and Chris Tyree the wide receivers were targeted 10 times against Duke Four catches were made, plus a two-point conversion to Rico Flores Jr. So, Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman on the wide receiving core and very excited to get Thomas and Greathouse back for this week. Yeah, we expect them both to be back. Um, You know, we'll expect them both to practice tomorrow. They're they're both uh, um, improving. They they ran around yesterday on Sunday, and I think they'll, they'll do some rehab and run around today too. But we expect them to be back for practice tomorrow. Um, 
Yeah, you know, to to only have three receivers um, that played in the game, you know, it, it, over the course of the, the 60, 60 minutes, it, it takes its toll, you know, and, and that's no excuse. We have to be better, right? And, and so we have to continue to develop our other guys that are continuously improving, right? But we have to develop them um, with a sense of urgency that they can help us. And, um, you know, if you're on the field, you got to play to the standard. You know, you can't, we can't make excuses that you're playing 60-something plays. you got to continue to perform mentally and physically at the standard we're demanding. And so um, we, they played their hearts out. We, we know we got to be better. Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman on his wide receiver core. Rico Flores is coming. He is coming quick. The freshman has continued to impress, had the two-point conversion against Duke to close out the scoring. Irish win 21-14. In that ball game, Flores finished two catches for 28 yards, and he is going to continue to have a big role during his freshman campaign with this fighting Irish offense. Here is offensive coordinator Jared Parker on the play of his freshman Rico Flores Jr. Yeah, I've said it for um, the start of it, like uh, not only him but others, but for sure for, for Reek is, you know, he has no performance anxieties um, and he believes and has confidence in himself and he's so eager to learn. He's so fun to coach um, and in that situation you're trying to find different answers because things change throughout the game and, he found a way, you know, one of our pillars is, is details to make plays work, and he made the play work, you know, against a bad look. You know, and it's a testament to him and saying pretty slick. Jay, you had to lean on both Rico and JG this season. Um, how much does that underscore maybe what Chancey was able to do last year on the recruiting trail and then what those guys have done from January forward to be in a position where you can trust them game in and game out? Yeah, well, first to Stuck. Like, Stuck um, has done an unbelievable job changing the culture of that room. He just has, and how we caught balls over the summer, how we pushed our details to show up on time and be where we got to be in our route details. And um, do we have plenty of work to do? Absolutely. But stuck starts there. And then with those young guys, I think they operate with such confidence and poise as if they're not freshmen. So for them to have already been here in January helped them get there quicker because they were swimming early, but now they've really kind of grown into themselves and starting to operate with confidence. And, and now you see that they're a big part of what we do. Jared Parker. On Flores and those young wide receivers, they will take on a Louisville secondary that has been opportunistic so far this year. You got three defensive backs who are in the top five in tackles this year. Plus, they have been ball hawks for this Louisville defense. You start with Cameron Kelly, second on the team in tackles with 24. He's got two interceptions and a forced fumble this year. You've got Devin Neal tied with Kelly for second in tackles with 24. He leads the team with 18 solo tackles. He has three passes defensed and an interception. And then you've got Quincy Riley, fifth on the team in tackles with 22. He's got an interception and five passes defended. So the secondary has been really good at finding the football so far this year and you look at Rico Flores so far this season he is tied for fourth on the team in receptions with 11 sixth in receiving yards with 141 and a touchdown without looking do you know who leads the fighting Irish in catches this year who also leads them in receiving yards it's tied in Mitchell Evans 18 catches for 272 yards, he has not found pay dirt as of yet. Then you've got Jaden Thomas, who missed last week's game, 13 for 195 at a score. The freshman, Jaden Greathouse, 12 receptions, 166 yards, and three touchdowns. And then Chris Tyree made the transition from running back to wide receiver during the offseason. A lot of big plays from Tyree. 11 catches for 269 yards. And a couple of touchdowns. In this game, quarterback Sam Hartman, I think he will have a very comfortable evening. I've got him 23 for 34 for 254 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. I have Jaden Greathouse leading the way with five catches for 72 and a score. 
Mitchell Evans, four catches for 47, and a successful return for Jaden Thomas, four catches for 49 yards. And you take at Louisville, again, against weak competition, they have only nine sacks through their first five games. So an opportunity for the Irish offensive line to bounce back and protect their veteran quarterback. When the Irish defense is on the field, familiar face behind center. It's Jack Plummer. They faced him at Purdue in 2021. He was a member of California in 2022. Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman as he gets set to take on Jake Plummer and this Louisville offense. Yeah, it's hard to confuse him. And we're going to try to. We're going to try to give him some different looks, but it is hard to confuse because he's seen everything, right? You're talking about the – there's no substitution for experience. So he's seen a lot of different things defensively, and, and he makes decisions quickly, you know. And that's the one thing that um, I've noticed even just watching him through these, this, these couple games at Louisville is that, man, he's making fast decisions. He knows exactly where he's going with the ball, and um, he's doing a good job of putting it where it needs to be. So we got to be good in our pre-snap disguises and try to give him some different looks um, and, and not just give him one or two looks and uh, try to get him to hold it a little bit. And uh, if we can get him to hold it, then we're going to try to get pressure on him and, and try to affect him that way. Well, if he's hard to confuse, then – Jack could be in for a long day because Notre Dame has done a great job in containing him in the first two games with whatever they did. Again, Plummer started for Purdue in 21, Cal in 22. In those two games, what did he do against the Irish? He was under 50% completion percentage, 41 for 73. He did not go over 200 yards passing this year. He's been pretty good, 86 of 132 for 65%, 1,406 passing yards. He's got 11 touchdowns. Here comes the butt. But he's been picked off six times and sacked nine times. That's right, nine times. He's got a really, really good target at transfer in Jamari Thrash, a 6'1 junior. He has been a playmaking machine since he arrived in the state of Kentucky. Thrash, 22 catches for 444 yards. He is averaging over 20 yards every time he catches the football. And he's got five touchdowns. So Thrash with the 22 catches, you only have two other players on the Louisville roster who have caught more than 10 passes this year. Good news for the Irish. This Irish secondary has not blinked against anybody this year, in particular when their corners are covering receivers. Benjamin Morrison, Cam Hart. Now, Ohio State had a lot of success against Thomas Harper using receivers in the slot, but those corners, Morrison and Hart, have done everything you could want from a corner standpoint, and they'll have an opportunity to shut down Jamari Thrash in this ballgame. Let's see if the Irish can turn up the heat on Plummer. Not overly mobile. He can move a little bit more than you would expect. He's got one rushing touchdown, but he's not going to be Riley Leonard by any stretch of the imagination. But controlling Thrash, very important in this ballgame. Another part of the dynamic skill position duo for Louisville is their running back, Jahar Jordan, 66 rushes for 510 yards. He is averaging 7.7 yards per pop and six touchdowns. Now, I told you earlier, the schedule has not been overly difficult. Georgia Tech, NC State, pick whichever one is the most difficult game. But I think those of us that follow the Irish, having watched Notre Dame go down to Raleigh to take on NC State in that 3-3-5 defense, That defense is pretty doggone solid. So I think we respect them. With that being said, the explosive Jordan against the Wolfpack defense, 16 carries, 32 yards, two-point yards per carry. Now, Notre Dame is not going to defend the game the way Louisville did with that 3-3-5 alignment. But here's a big opportunity for that front seven 
to shut down the rushing attack of Louisville. You take away Jordan from Jack Plummer, and I think it's going to be a great day for this Fighting Irish football team. Let's go back to head coach Marcus Freeman. Some thoughts on the Fighting Irish run defense. Yeah, I think NC State is such a unique defense um, that that you're probably not going to take schematically everything they've done, but there's 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 things in football that you can take from every opponent that's had success to say, okay, does this fit into our system? As I've told Coach Golden and Coach Parker, like, I always want to be innovative, but for us to have success, we got to do what we do and do it well, right? And uh, our guys play best when they know what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they're doing it. And so we can always look at some of those things, but, but you know, the number one reason NC State has success is those guys play fast. And they, they are bought into their defensive scheme and they own it and they play extremely fast. And so more than anything, it's a reminder that, hey, continue to give our guys the opportunity to play fast. And that's why we'll be successful. Irish run defense so far this year, 50th in the nation, giving up 124.2 yards per game. They've already played Navy, 3.47 yards per carry for the opposition, and they have scored six rushing touchdowns. Well, hopefully Louisville gets a big dose of Howard Cross. The interior defensive lineman dominated Duke last Saturday. Cross had 13 total tackles, a sack, and two forced fumbles. And the strip sacked and the ball game was a big one for the Fighting Irish defense. Coach Freeman on Howard Cross. Man, he is a confident individual. He is is internally confident in his skill set. Um, and Howard Cross is a great practice player, and that's not what everybody gets the chance to see. Like I see every day in practice Howard, because a lot of times I get to work with the scout team O line. Like, it's the one of the best joys of being the head coach is on Tuesday and Wednesdays working with the scout team O line, and you know it's always a challenge when I know we're double teaming Howard Cross, we're blocking one on one, and I challenge our scout team O line like we got to we got to block. Him. I don't want Howard Cross near the quarterback, and he finds a way, you know. And, and but that to- shows you his intent and in practice, like the purposeful ways he practices. And if we can get everybody on our team to practice with that intent and that mindset, we'll get better faster than a lot of teams in the country. And so that's what you're most pleased about is that his mindset and practice is uh, one of very driven and, and works extremely hard. Howard Cross this week earned a couple of National Defensive Player of the Week honors. Congratulations to him. He had a wonderful ball game playing with a sinus infection, as we found out after the ball game. I think Louisville turns it over a couple of times in this game, including a plumber interception. I think the Louisville running game has its moments, but Notre Dame does enough to contain it. And I picked this game 33-20 in favor of the Fighting Irish. Boy, put some pressure on Plummer. That's when the secondary... Gets active. Xavier Watts has been terrific at safety, let alone the two corners we talked about a moment ago. So I've got the Irish winning by 13, but as I mentioned throughout the week, I'm not as concerned about the opponent. I'm more concerned about the physicality and the mental strain that has been put on this Fighting Irish football team the last two weeks, let alone in this stretch of now it'll be seven consecutive games, starting with that trip to Dublin. It's a lot. It's a lot for these guys to handle. But just look at the last two weeks, the physicality and the mental draining of these two games. Let's hope those two games don't hurt the performance of this team taking on Louisville because I think Louisville is easily the weaker of the three opponents that we're talking about, Ohio State, Duke, and the Cardinals. 7.30 kickoff here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Again, pregame starts at 1. Eric Tyler and I with Game Day Sports Beat starting at 4 o'clock here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Coming up next, what are the big games this weekend and who will the Irish opponents be squaring off against? We'll take a look at the schedule, then we'll get to our Twitter question of the day. As Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolls on for this Friday, it is 535 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Can't decide. Now, the latest forecast from the WSBT Weather Center. 
cloud cover filters back in, and that brings more rain showers starting this evening as well as overnight tonight. Our temperatures are likely going to fall into the mid to upper 40s by Saturday morning. Saturday is going to remain cloudy. It's going to be cool with highs only in the mid 50s, and scattered rain showers will continue, but they won't be all day rain. You'll see waves of rain at times. MWSBT 22 meteorologist Lynette Grant. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to Estime. 10 5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. All right, we're back on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Friday evening. Some rain showers, it looks like, on your way home here in South Bend. Hopefully it gets out of Dodge before the lights turn bright on this Friday night. Got some really good NLC and NIC matchups in the area tonight. Mishawaka, Concord on 96-1 the ton. You've got a really good game, Penn at New Prairie. Northwood and Wallasey tonight. Jimtown and Adams. Elkhart at Marion. Some good football matchups on this Friday night. Let's talk about some of the other games happening in college football this weekend. You've got number 23 LSU going to Columbia to take on number 22 Missouri. This game was not originally on my list, but because of our old friend Brian Kelly, was at the podium this week, and I think we all recall from BK's time here in South Bend, every once in a while he tried to use his sense of humor with the media. And I don't think the LSU media is in the mood to deal with some of BK's funnies because this is how he wrapped up his presser. Now keep in mind, LSU going to Missouri, which is in Columbia. Take it away, BK, if you want to. Good. All right, we'll see you in Columbia. Bring your Columbia jackets. That was a joke. <sighs> Who's a speechwriter? Holy cow. Well, LSU's defense stinks. Man, they are bad. And they have a lot of juniors and seniors on defense. And BK mentioned this week, he's got a young defense. They're learning. Okay, okay. We've heard that line before. So LSU and Missouri. Missouri playing really good football right now. Let's see if they can knock off the old Tigers. And that LSU defense might be one of the biggest disappointments in all of college football. What else do we have coming up this weekend? All the old Red River shootouts should be a lot of fun. 12 o'clock tomorrow, number 12, Oklahoma taking on number three, Texas. We will pick this game as a part of our 10-pack of selections at the end of the program. The Longhorns are favored by five, coming off a 49-0 win last year over the Sooners. This has a chance to be a classic down at the Cotton Bowl. That Texas defensive line is so good, and they'll have a chance to make a major impact against that Oklahoma offense that has not been slowed down by anybody so far this year. Be fun if this is one of those 40-37 shootouts in the Red River rivalry. But the winner definitely has a leg up in the conversation for the college football playoffs. If you're Texas, you bag this game, you've got two massive victories for your resume. You beat Alabama down in Tuscaloosa, which nobody does, and a neutral field win over Oklahoma. That puts them in the driver's seat for one of those four playoff spots. Also noon tomorrow, not as big of a matchup, but I'm really curious to see Ohio State play for the first time since their dramatic win here in South Bend. 
and Ohio State, number four in the country, which I think is high. They're going to take on the Maryland Terrapins. I am not saying Maryland's going to win this game. Ohio State favored by 20. I'm just curious to see that Maryland passing attack, which is really good, what they can do against the Ohio State secondary. Just have a feeling Ohio State's not going to be dominant in this game. Buckeyes and Terrapins at the Horseshoe noon tomorrow. Also, 3.30 kickoff in the SEC, number 11, Alabama, going to College Station to take on Texas A&M. Jalen Milrow, what can he get done against a really good Texas A&M defensive line? This just smells like a 17-13, 17-16, 20-17 thriller between the Tide and the Aggies. What can Tommy Reese get done offensively in this game as he goes to College Station? Alabama on the road, favored by one. They've looked better the last two weeks. A&M's got a lot of talent. Maybe, maybe Jimbo Fisher is starting to put it together. They beat Bama on a last-second field goal in College Station two years ago. Bama pulled out a close one against the Aggies in Tuscaloosa last year, and now here we go again. Bama and A&M, 3.30 tomorrow. And at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, between the hedges, number one Georgia welcomes number 20 Kentucky to Athens. Devin O'Leary, the former NC State quarterback running that Kentucky offense, taking on a Georgia team that's just kind of taking care of business, not spectacular, not dominating like the last two years. Barely got by Auburn on the road last week, trailed most of the game on 27-20. Is this the week Georgia gets clipped? Probably not. Bulldog, Bulldog excuse me, favored by 14 and a half points. Now let's go to the Notre Dame football opponents for this year. The Navy midshipmen are 1-3. They will host North Texas tomorrow at 3.30. Also, NC State back in action. They're a 3-2 football team. They're going to welcome Marshall to Raleigh. That game will get started at 2 o'clock. Central Michigan's playing good football. They have stuck with the quarterback that faced the Irish. The Chippewas are 3-2 and and a slight road favorite over Buffalo. That game will get started at 2 o'clock. We talked about Ohio State hosting Maryland. Duke is 4-1. They are idle this week. USC coming off a bye. The Trojans are 4-0. Actually, let me take that back. They played Colorado last week. It was the week before they were idle. USC barely won that game, 48-41. A nice comeback by the Buffs. Now USC back at the Coliseum to take on the Arizona Wildcats 10:30 kickoff. We will see USC in town in eight days. Pittsburgh one and four. They're idle and Phil Jerkovic. The reports are the former Irish quarterback who has struggled at Pitt this year. I guess he's moving to tight end. That's how bad things have gotten with Jerkovic as Pittsburgh's quarterback. Not anymore. Sounds like he'll be a tight end. The Clemson Tigers are 3-2. It is very strange to see Clemson at 3-2. They're going to take on another future Notre Dame opponent, Wake Forest. That game in Death Valley, it's a 3-30 kickoff. Clemson 3-2. The Demon Deacons are 3-1. And, and Stanford, yeesh. They are 1-4, and and they have a bye week this week. I saw there was a kid that flipped between Stanford and B.C. This is how things have changed. When a kid flips from Stanford to B.C. or vice versa, that's an in-conference flip now. Remember, Stanford's coming to the ACC. That's bizarre. In-conference flip, B.C. and Stanford. Hello. All right, that's a look at some of the games coming up tomorrow in college football. Let's see, maybe it's funnier the second time, BK. Good. All right, we'll see you in Columbia. Bring your Columbia jackets. It was a joke. No. Good? No, no, it was not good, B. 
Nope, BK, sorry, not going to work for us. LSU media is probably not as nice as the Notre Dame media. <laughs> I'm sure it's getting a little hostile down in Baton Rouge with the old Bayou Bengals having lost two games already this year and still some dandy games coming up. They haven't played Alabama yet in Tuscaloosa. It is 549 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We'll get to our Twitter question of the day coming up next here on WSBT Radio. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is being brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. By Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can't end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company. Beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. And by the Mishawaka. Education Foundation, granting a better future. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Five minutes in front of 6 o'clock, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live on 960 AM WSBT. We are streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. We are ready for the results of yesterday's Twitter question of the day, and it was, what is the most likely outcome of the Notre Dame-Louisville game? I gave you three choices on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Notre Dame wins by one to nine points. Choice number two, Notre Dame wins by 10 or more. The third choice, Louisville wins. Here are the results. So you're all on the Irish. Well, 2% said Louisville wins. Second place in the voting. 31% said Notre Dame will win between one and nine points. And winning the vote, a clear majority, 67% believe the Irish will win by 10 or more points. I've got the Irish winning by 13, so I'm in that category. We thank you very, very much for voting. And now today's question. It is our Friday tradition, a parlay question. What is the correct parlay for the Notre Dame-Louisville game Saturday night, 7.30 kickoff on Sports Radio 960 WSBT? Here are your choices. Choice number one, Notre Dame laying six points. And the over-under, we go over 54. Choice number two, Notre Dame minus six. And under 54 total points. Choice number three. You'll go with the home team, the home dog, Louisville, plus six and over 54 total points. And choice number four. Louisville plus six and under 54 total points. We would love for you to vote. My Twitter X account is 960SportsBeat. We got the parlay right last week for the first time this season. Let's see if we can get two in a row. Love to get you to vote at 960SportsBeat. Before we go to break, there was one piece of football news today involving a former Notre Dame player. Wide receiver Chase Claypool traded by the Chicago Bears to the Miami Dolphins. The trade was Claypool and a 2025 seventh-round pick. Both of those assets go to the Dolphins. In return, the Bears get a sixth-round pick in the 2025 draft. Well, the Bears 
bought a clunker at the car dealership. You think about they gave up the 32nd overall pick in the 2023 draft for Claypool. Here's what the Bears got. 10 total games, 10 games, 18 catches for 191 yards and a touchdown. It got so bad at the end, the Bears didn't even want him around Hallis Hall. They just sent him home. And finally, they at least got him off their roster with the trade to Miami. They would have been happy to release him. At least they moved up around in the draft by moving Claypool to the Miami Dolphin. So, Claypool, boy, he's just totally changed from the outside looking in. A very likable guy at Notre Dame. Worked hard. Had a big, big final year. Had a big first year in Pittsburgh. Had one of the best rookie seasons of anyone that year. And then the tide turned, and he has never been close to that Chase Claypool, the rookie with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And now... He's basically a number five wide receiver for Miami, so maybe this will be that wake-up call for Chase because he's getting close to running out of opportunities. Miami will give him a shot. Randy Gregory, the outside linebacker for Denver, he was shipped off the Broncos roster. They were going to be happy to cut him. They made the same deal with the draft picks, except Gregory is now a San Francisco 49er. Big game in Santa Clara this weekend. 49ers and Cowboys. A terrific Sunday night matchup that you can hear right here on WSBT Radio. So Chase Claypool is now a Miami Dolphin. We're going to step aside. A sports update is on the way in just a moment. Then we'll talk some Notre Dame offense. I've got a Notre Dame hockey preview as the Irish open their season tomorrow. And we've got our 10-pack of Sizzler picks all coming up next hour from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Uh, here at Notre Dame, to have a chance to play these kind of teams, you have an opportunity to jump up and, and maybe in some ways be a spoiler. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. We're talking about Stanford. Yep, you want to ask me a question about Stanford? I'm all ears. I'll pass. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And most of the football players who chose USC over UCLA because it's easier to spell. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett, and I join Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka for a live Blue and Gold YouTube channel conversation every Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern time. We talk all things Fighting Irish and take questions from Fighting Irish fans. Hey, Horka, what is the primary issue with the Notre Dame offense? So I went really like granular with this answer and, and just picked out one specific thing. And, and this is specific to the Duke game as well. I didn't crunch the numbers from the Ohio State game. But let, let me say this, uh, like before we get to any of this small detail stuff, they played two really good football teams the last two games. Like Ohio State is one of the five to ten best teams in the country, no matter what Lou Holtz says about physicality and whatnot. That's a top five, top ten football team. Duke, like I just said a couple minutes ago, that's a top 15, top 20 team. So it's not going to look like it did against Central Michigan for Notre Dame in those games offensively. Tennessee State, even NC State, and obviously Navy, like the, the, the level of competition ramped up. That's why you saw more three and outs. That's why you saw Sam Hartman look human and not like the Heisman Trophy candidate that he was through four games. However, here's one thing, Darren, that I didn't like. And when I saw this stat, I was like, that's an issue. And that might be the biggest issue, which is the answer to this question that I'm about to pop up on the screen, the one that you just asked me. What's the primary issue? Notre Dame was 3 of 15 on third down versus Duke. Okay, third down's a problem. Why is third down a problem? The average third down distance, the lot, you know, distance to go for Notre Dame on third down on those 15 third downs, 8.9 yards. 8.9 yards. That's basically 
you know, that's nine out of 10 on the chain gang right there. Like they're, they're moving a yard. If you're only moving a yard on the first two plays of every series that goes three plays, you're behind the chains. You're not on time. So for me, Darren, the biggest issue with this Notre Dame offense right now is the fact that on first and 10, they're running it into the gut with Audric Estime, who right now looks a little hesitant to me. And I think Marcus Freeman spoke to that in his press conference today when he said, got to be a little bit more decisive. The footwork's got to be better. You got to know where you're running. Like like in that game against Duke, outside of the 30-yard touchdown where he absolutely knew when he where he was running, which was the end zone, Audric doesn't look great to me. Maybe that has to do a little bit with the blocking, obviously. Duke was sending dudes to the line of scrimmage like crazy they were they sold out to stop the notre dame running game and for the most part they did but man if you're only gaining a yard darren before third down like if you're facing third and nine every single time that you're on third down you're gonna come off the field like like you're not gonna convert many of those and that's what happened notre dame was three of 15 on third down against duke i'm gonna build on your comments and I think a major reason why Audric did not have many holes in this game is the fact that the Notre Dame wide receivers were handled by the Duke secondary. They could put more emphasis on stopping the Notre Dame run game because they weren't scared of the Irish wide receivers. They were targeted, what, 10 times in this game, and there were four catches. That was the wide receiving core's production. And I guess the best way to put it is the Irish have Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart, and they can shut down the opponent wide receivers. Well, in this case, whoever the Duke corners were, either they were doing a great job, the Irish receivers were not getting separation, accommodation of both. But the Duke defense sat on the run game, which made it very difficult. Now, we hear about the Irish running backs. They need to show patience and wait for things to develop. Well, in this case, Audric was waiting and nothing opened up to build on that here's my question that i don't have an answer to but i was told by a couple of people that mel kuyper of espn has audrick estimate as his number one running back in the draft this year i haven't had a chance to look that up but let's say that's true do you think tyler the number one running back in next year's nfl draft is only a guy that can run between the tackles don't you think that's probably a multi-dimensional guy that can run inside, outside, can catch the football, good in pass protection. you got to be well-rounded to be the number one guy. So my question is this. I only see, let me put it differently. Normally I see Andrew Estime running between the tackles only. Is he incapable of doing something productive running outside the tackles? Because that becomes pretty predictable if I'm a defensive coordinator so I asked the question to the Irish fan base when we watch Audric get stuffed because Duke's sitting on the run game because they're not scared of the wide receivers. Can he run to the outside? Can Notre Dame do something to the outside to give the running game a better chance? I think they should, and I think Audric Estime can. And if those, if that's the case, it might be a Jared Parker issue, Darren, where he's a first-year play caller more or less and he has this 233 pound running back and he might be sitting there thinking I've got to go up the middle with this guy because that's what he can do and we've seen it but when teams sell out and like you said when the wide receivers aren't there to be a threat and make linebackers and obviously safeties a little more aware of where those guys are on the field and they and instead of stacking the box every single play then Audrey Gestime obviously gets a little bit more effective because He's got more room. So I, I think it might be a little bit of a Jared Parker thing. And, and here's another thing, Darren, to kind of go on off of this, what you kind of laid down there. When Jeremiah Love came into the game, and I don't I don't know what his statistics were. Um, he didn't get the ball a whole lot. Do you, do you have those numbers? Five for 44. It seemed like all of those Jeremiah Love off carries. Exactly. And like, Audra Gestime is not, He's not as fast as Jeremiah Love, obviously. You're trying to get Jeremiah Love out in space. But Audrey Gessemay showed he had breakaway speed on that NC State touchdown. Like he could, and yes. that was an outside run as well. Yes, like he could do was those things. Exactly what I was going to say. Yep. Yeah. So he can do those types of things. And again, I think this is a Jared Parker thing because as, as we're having this 
I started this conversation about the Notre Dame offense with that one third down thing, but like it branches out, obviously. Why didn't we see more intentional ways to get love? Jadarian Price didn't have a single touch in this game. Remember, remember earlier in the year when they were doing those little misdirection, almost RPO type things and just dumping it off to, J- to Jadarian Price and he would go and he would gain 10 yards on the boundary toward the sideline. Like, where was that in this game? If Duke was going to stack the box that much and take away Audrey Estime, why weren't they scheming up waste? Like, Jeremiah Love touched the ball five times in that game, and one of them was a fake punt. That wasn't enough, especially coming off of eight carries for 57 yards against Ohio State, who has even better athletes defensively. If he can do that against Ohio State, why was Jeremiah Love not getting the ball? Why did Jadarian Price not get the ball once? Tyler, do you think someone on the coaching staff, Marcus Freeman, whomever, reevaluated the usage of Estime in the Ohio State game in which he had, what, 14 of the 39 carries, and they decided, hey, let's go more with Audric in this game because you look at the numbers, he had 18 of the 32 carries, which was different than what we saw against Ohio State. Now, I know they wanted to use the two backs a lot against Ohio State, and that took Audric off the field, which I guess I need an offensive coordinator to explain why Audric can't be one of those two guys. But it, it seems like, I don't think they over-adjusted, but they went back to what we saw against Central Michigan, and there was such an outcry by the public, and I'm not saying they changed because of the public, but we were all scratching our heads. Why was Estime not on the field in important situations? Well, he was in this game. But, again, it was basically you knew the running game, what they were going to do when Audric was in the ball game. It, it just it felt a little stale. If Duke couldn't stop it, that's one thing, Tyler, but – that defensive line for Duke was darn good in that game. In fact, couldn't you argue they were better than Ohio State in terms of execution? The, the way Sam Hartman spoke after the game, it, it sure yeah. sounded like he felt that was the best defensive line that Notre Dame had faced to this point. And obviously yeah. that includes Ohio State. So, yeah, I mean, that that's part of it. Like, we have to get and, – and the next question that we get to, which – we could honestly get there uh, now if you wanted to sure. do it because it's just an extension of this conversation. So, yeah, tell everybody what we got next because it, yeah. it kind of goes off of all of these things. Yeah, next we have Arrowfan624. How would you assign percentages of blame for the struggles of the Notre Dame offense versus Duke? I, I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of tentacles on this one. And yeah, I think – he- he did um, kind of give a qualifier there, and he he laid out the I don't know what you the pieces of the uh, the pie chart, if you will. Like th- this is what we're assigning percentages to: Jared Parker's game planning slash play calling, a lack of wide receiver depth, Big. Duke's performance, which we were just talking about, Big. Sam Hartman's performance. We have to factor that in, obviously, and the offensive line's performance. You can read Tyler's stories at blueandgold.com. You can join Tyler and I for a live Blue and Gold YouTube channel show Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And also, of course, Tyler will join me and Eric Hansen for Game Day Sports Beat, presented by Bud Light tomorrow starting at 4 o'clock. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Six thirty on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hope you're having a terrific Friday. Darren Pritchett with you, getting set for another Notre Dame game day Saturday tomorrow. Our pregame coverage will start at 1 o'clock. Jim Arizari, Tim Growl will have the Legacy Heating and Air game day interview show from 2 until 4. Then from 4 to 6.30, game day sports be brought to you by Bud Light. Tyler Horka, Eric Hansen, and I will have that program for you. I'm only on the first hour. 
due to hockey duties, but Eric and Tyler will take you the final 90 minutes on that program. Kickoff a little after 7.30. After the game, the official Notre Dame football postgame show with Jim and Reggie Brooks on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. As I mentioned just a second ago, I have some hockey duties. Yes, it is that time of the year for Fighting Irish Hockey, and Notre Dame will open up their season with two games at home against a non-conference opponent from the ECAC, the Golden Knights of Clarkson. Both of these teams last year, based on their standards, had a subpar season. Clarkson, a team that's making the tournament or near the tournament, it seems like most years, 16, 17, and 4 last year. The Fighting Irish had a rough go with a record of 16, 16, and 5 and missed out on the NCAA tournament, which has been very rare under Fighting Irish head coach Jeff Jackson. The Irish have a bit of a new look this year. There are a lot of new faces joining this program you got a big batch of freshmen that have joined the program, including three players that were drafted in the most recent NHL draft. They've also added a couple of what appears to be key grad transfers, a defenseman from Harvard and Ryan Seedham, and a forward from Providence College, Patrick Moynihan. We'll get to them coming up here in just a moment. But the Irish want to get back to that field of 16 for the NCAA tournament, try to get to their fifth Frozen Four and win that first national championship. But first things first, Coach Jackson, his thoughts on what he has seen from his team so far in the preseason. You know, there's always positives and there's always concerns, but, you know, I, I, our young guys have given us a little bit more speed and a little bit more energy um, early on here. And, you know, we, we, look, we look better offensively, which is great, but defensively we haven't looked as good so um you know we're, we've been focusing on that a little bit like we really haven't got into tactical play until this last couple of weeks so we're a little bit behind as far as our systems go um but you know, all in all is that i've been pleased with uh you know just the overall tempo and the you know they've been working hard we just have to be a little bit more conscientious of what we do with the puck because we're turning pucks over when we do scrimmage, we turn pucks over a little bit too much. Um, and then we have to just continue to work on our transitional defense. Well, from last year's team, it was not a great offensive team. They did not add a whole lot offensively off the power play. And the defense hurt the offense too many times trying to exit our own defensive zone. Bad passes, turnovers led to pressure being put on by the opposition which led to spending way too much time in your defensive zone defending. The Irish had the Big Ten goaltender of the year last year, and where would this team have been without Ryan Bischel? He was massive, his performance based on the offense struggling, and you needed to have great goaltending. Well, the Big Ten goaltender of the year last year, 37 games, a 239 goals against average and a save percentage. You like anything above 925. He was at 931 last season. And the Irish will be counting on Ryan having another big season this year. But he'd like to have a little help offensively, a little margin for error compared to last year. Now, the Irish have a lot of familiar faces back on defense. You've got Jake Boltman. Back once again, Ryan Hellowell, Drew Bavaro, who was a great pickup from Bentley last year. He's back for another go-around. I think he's going to have a really big season for the Fighting Irish. you got Zach Plusinski as well. Michael Domenico is back for another go. But you also had Ryan Seedham. He's from Harvard and a player from the developmental program drafted by the Blues in the fifth round. Paul Fisher, and that makes the defense look a little different. Well, I mean, he's got obviously he's got some veteran leadership, and uh, you know, I, that Paul Fisher is going to be a positive uh, member of our blue line. You know, the bigger the bigger thing is going to be about guys taking a step. You know, guys, you know, like Plisinski being a senior, uh, Boltman being well, he's a senior, classified a senior, basically. Um, 
we need uh, Master Domenico to take a step as a sophomore. Helliwell going into you know into his junior year. He, we need those guys to be better. You know they need to take a step. You know in, in their in their game. And if they do, then that certainly helps our back end. You know, and that's what you expect. You expect guys to be better as juniors, as seniors, than they were when they were first here. The two guys, you know, the, the, the two young guys, you know, I think Henry Nelson's going to be a good player for us, but he's going to take some, a little time. Uh, Fisher's probably a little bit more well-balanced with his game defensively and offensively, so he's, he's you know, been a positive and, and you know, and, and – and, and Seedham is going to be – he's got a lot of poise, puck poise, and he's going to help us get out of our zone a little bit more consistently, which is one of the reasons we brought him in. And I think Seedham and Bavaro likely will be the point men on the Fighting Irish power play this year. You look at some of the new forwards. I mentioned Moynihan comes from Providence College. You've got two high draft picks who have joined the Irish. They're likely both going to play center. You've got Danny Nelson. He could be a really important power forward, 6'1", 212. And you also have Cole Knubel, who has a little bit more of a scoring touch. His dad played in the NHL with a bunch of teams, including Detroit. You might remember Mike Knubel. So here's Coach Jackson on these forwards that are hopefully going to add a little more offense to this team. Well, I mean, they, they've all been impressive in their own ways. I think that Cole Knubel, you know, is, is going to be a guy that's going to contribute right away, and we're going to need him to. You know, we lost a couple centermen from last year. Then him and him and Nelson both are going to have to be able to step in and play key roles for us. Um, and we'll have to grow with them, you know, because they're freshmen and they're going to make their mistakes occasionally. So, But Cole's got really good offensive instincts. He's a smart hockey player. Um, Nelson is as well. You know, he, he's he's maybe not quite as uh, much of a goal scorer as Knubel, but he's got good instincts and he can make plays. He, and there's days you watch him. There's days that he looks like you know he's gonna. You can see his pr potential. You can see his pro potential. He's big, rangy, long, skates well. He's got all the tools to be you know a great power type forward. You know, but he's young, so it doesn't show up all the time. It just shows up. You know. When he's in the right frame of mind, it's not a lack of work ethic. It's just a matter of focus for him. But he's got a lot of tools too, um, you know. And I think that um, you know, probably uh, Brennan Ali is going to take a little bit longer, just because of you know he's he's got to work on his puck decisions a little bit more. But he's a guy that well, you know, he scored over 20 goals last year in the USHL. It was his first year guy and. You know, we're hoping that he can help contribute offensively, but he's got to figure some things out because he gets lost a little bit, but that's more typical for a freshman. Um, not always knowing what to do with the puck, not always knowing what to do defensively. Uh, he's going to have to improve in that part of his game. But, uh, you know, Maddox Flemick has been a positive uh, in training camp. You know, good puck skills, good decision-making, good... We'll learn more about the Irish tomorrow night when they take on Clarkson. Here the game on our sister station, 94.3 FM at 6 o'clock. Picks are coming up next, 639 at WSBT. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.